Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. Good morning. So what a beautiful weekend this has been weather-wise. After rain, 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 we're finally getting some sunny days. So it's a wonderful time. We can get outside this weekend. I hope everyone has plans with family today and tomorrow. And it was supposed to rain tomorrow, and they just changed that. It's supposed to be another sunny day. So it's so, so wonderful. We've been waiting for that. <sighs> well, this morning I'm going to be talking to you about what's in a name. I'm just going to read you a little from a scene from something you might recognize. O Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? Deny thy father and refuse thy name. Or if thou wilt not, be but sworn my love, and I'll no longer be a Capulet. Tis but thy name that is my enemy. Thou art thyself, though not a Montague. What's a Montague? It is nor hand nor foot, nor arm nor face, nor any other part. Belonging to a man. Oh, be some other name. What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. So Romeo would, were he not Romeo called, retain that dear perfection which he owes without that title. Romeo, doff thy name. Now many of you would recognize that. William Shakespeare wrote that. It's part of the play Romeo and Juliet. And you know, names are significant. They define who we are, even when we don't want them to. Now in this play, there's a great battle going on here. Because of the names of the families that Romeo and Juliet are from. Their families are enemies, and their family names have become a block to them ever being together. Can they just denounce them? Do their names have to define them? If they reject their names, will they still be the same people? One thing William Shakespeare understood, there's a lot of power in names. As we've traveled through this series on families, we have looked at many different aspects of family. Pastor Randall started us out with finding faith and how that impacts our families. Along the way, we explored finances, friends, love, fathers and mothers, mental health, and we heard from some families about their experiences. Today's a special day in our service, too, because we have families together. The grade ones and sixes are up here with us. The youth are with us. And so what a great way to culminate our series, to bring it together. So I'm going to do things a little bit differently today. I'm going to speak more out of stories. And um, hopefully that will get everyone engaged and connected in. And I'm going to circle back to how we started this series. So we started this series by talking about faith. And I'm going to circle back around, and I'm going to talk about our identity in Christ and what that means for our name. So I've been thinking about names a lot lately. I started to think about how many different names have I been called in my life. It was far too many to rattle off. Some I would never repeat here, some that were laughable, some that were painful. I'm sure you can... um, relate to that, I'm sure you've been called many different names in your life. 
When we talk about names, it's natural for us to start with our own. So my name is James Ferber. I'm the next generation director here. And the name James means supplanter or following after. So it has often been interpreted as one who's following after the Lord. If you think of uh, Jesus and his, his brother James, James was following after him. I like that. It's something to, I hope to aspire to. It's a powerful name. I started to think then about my last name. My last name is Ferber. So I went where everyone goes when they're trying to find an answer to something. I went online and I went to surnamedatabase.com. And here's what I found. This unusual and interesting surname is of an old German origin and is from an occupational name for a fabric dyer. So that's someone who dyed clothes and changed their colors. Derived from the German Farber, an agent derivative of the Middle High German Varve color itself, I probably butchered that, deriving from the old German pre-10th century Farava. So it goes way back. It was first used in the 17th century. First time it was recorded by John Ferber. Interesting thing. Surnames have not been around that long. Surnames were started to really be used in the 16th century. Before that, you were just referred to as the son or daughter of so-and-so, or from what town you were from. And so I might, be, uh, I might refer to myself then as James, son of Otto, of the town of Petersburg. Now what they found, though, is as populations rose and increased, there were far too many people from each town, and then there were far too many people with the same uh, name of a parent, so they started to switch that. Just like with our phone numbers, we added the area code in, because the numbers were starting to, we were running out. So that's when they added in another aspect to our name. To me, though, Ferber has a lot of different meanings. It doesn't mean fabric dyer to me. That was a long time ago. To me, when I say the name Ferber, some of the things I think of are fun, adventurous, strong-willed, hardworking, one-of-a-kind, a little crazy, busy, God-centered, endless number of people. Those are just some of the things that come to my mind when I think about that. And if you look up here at the front, front rows, we don't have as many up here right now, but there are over 20 people in my family, so... I think we all have our own understanding of our names and the legacy they carry. Now, the world has many names they call us or labels they want to attach to us. Here are just a couple, a human, an animal, a citizen, a male, a female, a father, mother, daughter, son, cousin, smart, poor, dumb, short, weak, loved, unloved. Those are some of the labels you might hear every day. The list is unending. I just touched on a few. The world loves to label us also based on our fears. I found that interesting. I looked up labels. How many times you're labeled based on what you fear. Now here's a word I came across too. How many of you know what that means? Shout it out if you do. Fear of fears. It's a phobia of phobias. There are so many phobias out there, they actually came up with this one too because... They, just, they needed the title for it because it was happening so often. Phobia of phobias. It can be very confusing with so many different labels being attached to us. Labels can be helpful, though. How else could we identify things? Think about when you go to the grocery store. I'm very thankful there are labels there. Everything has a name. 
and then I can know what's inside of it. Well, I brought a couple things with me today as we're talking about labels. And so I brought three cans with me. The first one is Elphagetti's. Okay, how many of you have had Elphagetti's before? You can admit it. It's, we're not here judging you based on how healthy you eat. Um, my son looked at it and thought it was a, a healthy thing because it included the whole alphabet. I don't know how that works together. but um, So we have Elphagetti's. Then I have another one here. Uh, deep brown beans. So, kind of thing you might eat on a canoe trip. I actually heard someone go, hmm. So, we ate a lot of these when my mother would um, would not be home. That's my dad's specialty, but he would jazz it up. He'd put some uh, uh, hot dogs in there. And that made it extra special. Um, here's another one too. Pedigree dog food. But this is not just any dog food. This is with real chicken. So, if you love your dog, this is the kind of thing you might get them. So, thankfully... They all have labels on them. They're not all the same. Now, you could, if you wanted to, have a little fun. You could take the label off. And let's switch it up with the Elphagettis. Now, as I do this, you can chuckle. You're like, hmm, that might be helpful later. Well, you didn't hear it here. So... There we go. Now, the interesting thing is, as I do this, I have not changed what is inside of the can. That has not changed. But, if you look at these now, you would think they're different, that they have changed. But there's a little stamp on the top of this one, and it's from the company, letting you know what is inside of it, if you know how to read this code. Okay, I can't totally change it, it won't change what's inside of it. Now, if I were to give this um, to the dog, he's going to be fine. The dog's still going to eat it. Alphagetti's whatever. It'll eat anything. If I give this to my children, telling them it's Alphagetti, they're going to quickly let me know that it is not Alphagetti, and they will not be impressed with me. You can't change what the product is just by changing the name on it. Often, one of the most difficult things we have to figure out in our lives is what label fits us. What name fits us. And in order to do that, you have to know what is inside of you. Now, I think it's significant. There is one person who knows who you are and what is inside of you. And we read this in Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob... He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. God knows what's inside of you. Here's another verse. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah 1, verse 5. And here's another one. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. John 10, verse 3. God knows your name. He has a name for you. He has a label for you, and often more than one. God knows us better than anyone else, and he knows everything about us. He is the only person who can properly label you. 
Now, there's a quote by Henry Nguyen from his book, Life of the Beloved, Spiritual Living in a Secular World, that I just loved. I'm going to read it to you here. And he says, The world tells you many lies about who you are, and you simply have to be realistic enough to remind yourself of this. Every time you felt hurt, offended, or rejected, you have to dare to say to yourself, These feelings, strong as they may be, are not telling me the truth about myself. He's a man who knew a lot about his identity and who he was. Our names or labels should accurately reflect who we are and where we are going. There are many people in scripture who had their name changed by God. God knew who they were and he was declaring a different future over them than the one they were currently living. But they had to hear his voice to know what it was that he was calling them to do and who he was calling them. So one of these instances is in Genesis 17, verse 5. We read about Abram in the book of Genesis. His name means God is exalted. It's a good name, strong name. He's a man after God's own heart. He left his family to follow God. God called him to a new land. He's now nearing 100 years of age. He has no son, no heir to carry on his family name. And God gives him a vision and changes his name to Abraham. The name Abraham means father of many nations. He has no children. It would almost seem like um, a diss or like God was making fun of him. But God knew what was coming. And he had already declared it over him by changing his name. Names are significant. Abraham would become the father of many nations, not just one. Another example can be found in Genesis 32.28. God changed Jacob's name. Jacob means supplanter or deceiver. Not the greatest name. Now he lived up to it too. He spent his time deceiving people, tricking people. He tricked his brother out of his birthright. His father out of the blessing. He himself got tricked by, his, um, by Laban, an uncle, who tricked him into serving him for extra years. He worked for him for seven years so that he could marry his daughter, and on the wedding night, he was given the other daughter. So he worked for another seven days. Seven years, sorry, not seven days. That would have been easy. Um, But he did not lead a godly life. And one night he wrestled with God. God met up with him. And at the end of the night, he said, Bless me, bless me. And the greatest blessing God could pass on to him was to change his name and declare something new over him. And he called him Israel, one who wrestles with God. And his life changed from that point on. Another story, Acts 13, verse 9. We read about Saul. And what you know about Saul up to this point is, he is traveling around and he is jailing and killing Christians. He's with the Pharisees and he is one of the most dedicated Pharisees there. He's even at the stoning of Stephen, and he approves of it. They lay the the cloth at his feet. They, they, They basically put the responsibility on Saul after they'd stoned Stephen, who was a missionary for Christ, and Saul approved. Then on the road to Damascus, he had an encounter with Jesus. And his whole life, the direction was changed. But significantly, a new name was declared over him also. He was declared, his new name was Paul, 
which means humble. Now Saul, the name Saul means one who's prayed for. And that makes sense. Paul means humble. One who humbly serves. And that's what he was called to. We need to be very careful what labels we take on. There's a story I came across, I listened to as the youth were at a retreat. So we were at the Overflow Retreat in Waterloo in May. And one of the speakers shared this story. Now, I'm not sure about all the details, but I did look it up. And um, most of the, the, um, the parts to the story match up. So I'm going to share a story with you about Thomas Edison. And it goes like this. One day as a small child, Thomas Edison came home from school and gave a paper to his mother. He said to his mother, Mom, my teacher gave this paper to me and told me only you are to read it. What does it say? Kind of some of you adults, their parents are like, "Uh uh-oh. Well, her eyes welled with tears as she read the letter out loud to her child. Your son is a genius. This school is too small for him and doesn't have good enough teachers to train him. Please teach him yourself. (laughs) Some of you are chuckling. (laughs) Many years after Edison's mother had died, he became one of the greatest inventors of the century. Now, the list of things he invented is far too long for me to mention. I'll just mention a couple. Telegraph system, um, the phonograph, incandescent light he discovered, um, electricity, sockets, switches, meters, vote recorder, motion picture camera. He's the reason we watch movies. Fluorescent lamp and batteries. Those are just some of the things. There was a list far too long, and many of them I didn't even understand. So those are the ones I shared with you. One day he was going through a closet, and he found the folded letter that his old teacher wrote his mother that day. He opened it. The message written on the letter was, Your son is mentally deficient. We cannot let him attend our school anymore. He is expelled. Very different than what his mother told him. Edison became emotional reading it and then wrote this in his diary. Thomas A. Edison was a mentally deficient child whose mother turned him into the genius of the century. And how did she do that? She spoke a different label over him. She spoke a different name over him. She refused to let that label from the world stick to him. Here's another example of someone, Albert Einstein. I think we all know about some of his accomplishments, but what you may not know, he didn't speak until he was four. He didn't read until he was seven. He was subsequently expelled from school and was not admitted to the Zurich Polytechnic School. He was labeled as dumb. As you all know, he came around. He has 50 patents to his name. He discovered how to split the atom. His theory of relativity changed the way the world did and does science to this day. You know, some of the greatest people in history had to fight against the labels that the world tried to place on them. Thankfully, they had people like Edison's mother in their lives who spoke a different label over them. What is God's label for us? What is his label for you? It's important. That's the most significant thing you need to know in order to combat the labels that the world wants to put on you. I'm going to share uh, with you from a book. And um, it's a children's book, but I felt like it just nailed it. Just the point it drives across 
fits perfectly. And so the book I'm going to read to you from, I'm going to read just out of four pages, I'm going to give you a little background. We're never too old to be read, from, read to, right? The book is called Your Special by Max Lucado. And I'll explain a little bit about it. This is a story about a people called the Wemmicks, who were small wooden people. They were all carved by the woodmaker Eli. They were all uniquely and differently made. All the Wemmicks did the same thing all day, every day. They gave each other stickers. They gave each other stars or dots. Now, the good-looking ones got stars. The rough-looking or damaged ones got dots. The talented ones also got stars. If they could lift big boxes or jump really high or sing pretty songs, you got stars. Our main character, Punchinella, could not do any of these things, and he got dots. He tried to jump high like the others, but he always fell. And when he fell, the others would gather around and give him dots. Sometimes when he fell, his wood would get scratched, so the people would give him more dots. Then he would try to explain why he fell, would say something silly, and they'd give him still more dots. After a while, he had so many dots, he didn't want to go outside anymore. One day, he met a Wemmick who was unlike any Wemmick he knew. She had no dots or stars. Her name was Lucia. He asked her how she did it, and she said she sat with Eli, the woodcarver, every day. She told him to go see Eli. After much debate, Punchinella went to see Eli, and now I will read to you from this part of the story. Eli stooped down and picked him up and set him on the bench. Hmm, the maker spoke thoughtfully as he looked at the gray dots. Looks like you've been giving some bad marks. I didn't mean to, Eli. I really tried hard. Oh, you don't have to defend yourself to me, child. I don't care what other Wemmicks think. You don't? No, and you shouldn't either. Who are they to give stars or dots? They're Wemmicks, just like you and just like you. What they think doesn't matter, Punchinella. All that matters is what I think, and I think you are pretty special. Punchinella laughed. Me? Special? Why? I can't walk fast. I can't jump. My paint is peeling. Why do I matter to you? Eli looked at Punchinella, put his hands on those small wooden shoulders, and spoke very slowly. Because you're mine. That's why you matter to me. Punchinella had never had anyone look at him like this much less his maker. He didn't know what to say. Every day I've been hoping you'd come, explained Eli. I came because I met someone who had no marks, said Punchinella. I know. She told me about you. Why don't stickers stay on her? The maker spoke softly. Because she has decided that what I think is more important than what they think. The stickers only stick if you let them. What? The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the less you care about their stickers. I'm not sure I understand. Eli smiled. You will, but it will take time. You've got a lot of marks. 
For now, just come to see me every day and let me remind you how much I care. Remember, Eli said as the Wemmick walked out the door, you are special because I made you, and I don't make mistakes. Punchinella didn't stop, but in his heart he thought, I think he really means it. And when he did, a dot fell to the ground. I think we all have a little punchinella in us. I know I do. I think we all struggle to keep the labels of the world from sticking to us. Some of us are talented and we get stars. Some of us aren't talented or important in the eyes of the world. And we have dots. But these stars and dots are based on what the world thinks about us. In Galatians we read, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Galatians 1.10 Punchinella discovered that the only way to get rid of the labels of the world was to listen to the voice of his maker, to spend time with his maker. It's only when we spend time with the maker we start to discover our true identity. There's so many labels that we need to be listening to our maker every day. Now here are a couple of the labels that he has spoken over you. And I want to read these to you. These are just a couple of the ones that I felt jumped out the most at me. There are many. Friend. Think how we yearn to have friends. The right friends or many friends or just one or two special friends. We are looking for that as we would call it nowadays, BFF, best friend forever, one who still loves us when we we don't deserve it, who shares and keeps secrets, who believes in us. Well, here's what God says about you. I've called you friends, John 15, 15. Here's another label, masterpiece. When people fall in love, funny things happen to their eyesight. All of a sudden, that person who seemed fairly ordinary becomes beautiful, handsome, dazzling, awesome, and many other adjectives. It seems like God's undying love for you and me has had a similar effect on his eyesight. He thinks we are amazing. Here's the proof. For we are God's handiwork. Ephesians 2.10 The word translated handiwork has clear artistic connotations, could easily be translated work of art or masterpiece. Isn't that what we all think when we look in the mirror in the morning? Wow, what a masterpiece. (laughs) If only. Well, that's what God thinks about you every morning. It's good to have a God lens. Treasure. Do you have a treasured possession? What would you rescue if your house were burning? Something you can't imagine living without. Sometimes you show it off. Or maybe you keep it locked away, safe and secure. Well, God says about you. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Deuteronomy 7 verse 6. And here's another label. 
sons and daughters. So it wasn't enough for God to call us friend. He wanted a deeper relationship. He wanted us to be part of his family. And that's where we read, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. 2 Corinthians 6.18 And here's another one. This is my favorite, and this is the last one I'm going to talk about right now. Beloved. Now when I think of that, I think of my wife. My wife shows her love for me in so many different ways. She listens to me. She spends time with me. She makes me dinners. She cleans the house, plays games with myself and our kids. We go camping together. She gets me special gifts. And she always speaks encouraging things to me. I think maybe she's taken some lessons from God. You see, God is in love with me and with you. He wants to be with us. He wants to whisper encouraging things to us. He's always looking for ways to do good to you. I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. Romans 9.25 And here's another scripture that really impacted me as I was looking them up. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, and He says this to you too, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You know, it is a daily battle in this life to live with the labels God has spoken over us. We want to live with those labels. We need to hold on to those labels God has spoken to us. We need to sit with the Maker daily. The world will try to attach dots to you, dots that declare lies over you, and we have a choice. Whose labels do we want spoken over us? If I can just ask the worship team to come up. And as they start playing quietly in the background, I'm going to call out some more labels, some more things that God is speaking over you today. And um, as I do that, I want you to think about a couple questions. Who are you? What is your identity? What voice are you listening to? Do you ever think you are a failure? That you are not enough? Have you ever thought that? Do you think others are better people than you? That you just can't get things right? That you aren't pretty? You aren't a masterpiece? That you are incomplete in any way? Now think of your mind as a glass of water. If there are doubts or lies echoing around in your mind, the glass of water is dirty. It might look something like this. Can you switch ahead to the next slide back there? The one of the cup, my pad has frozen. There we go. Oh, back one. There we go. So, this is what it might look like. You can start. So here's some things that God wants to say to you today. You are a child of the King, a disciple of the King. You can approach His throne in freedom and confidence. You are seated next to Christ. You are made righteous through him, and you are loved by him. The sovereign king accepts you. Now as you start to hear those things and let them sink in, something amazing happens. There's a drip. A new source starts to flow into you, but it starts slowly. 
You need to continually meet with him and speak and listen to those labels he's speaking over you. Here are some more. You are befriended by him, chosen by him, completed by him. You are united with him. You are his child. You will spend eternity in his presence. You have been given everything by him. And then it starts to get a little stronger. You are healed by him. You are hidden in him. You are defended by him. You are guided by his Holy Spirit. You are one with the sovereign king. You are one with the almighty God. The source continues to grow. You are established in him, anointed by him. You are his workmanship. You were buried and baptized in his death. You were raised with him into new life. And you are made alive by the king. You have been given a spirit, not of fear, but of power, of boldness, and a sound mind. You cannot be separated from his love, which goes on and on and on. You are saved and sealed by him. You are sanctified and justified by him. You are redeemed and you are cleansed. And something happens as that flow becomes so strong. It becomes a full torrent and it flows into your mind. And as it does that, something powerful happens. As it continually flows in, it washes you clean. It washes out all those other labels, those dots, those things that have been taking up space, those things that have been speaking lies over you. It cleanses you and makes you new. Those labels become a truth in your life. They do become your identity. And that's what Christ wants for you today. If you are not in his family today, I would encourage you to come join him in his family today. Maybe this would be their opportunity to join his family for the first time. I would say today's your day. Have his labels attached to you. And I would encourage you at the end to come up and pray with our prayer team if that's a decision you want to make today. If you're already in his family, continue to remind yourself and speak those labels over yourself. It's the only way to get rid of the labels of the world is to replace them with his labels. Family matters. And being a part of the family of God defines us and changes us. What's in a name? A lot. But unlike Romeo and Juliet, you can change your identity. Embracing your true identity is life-changing. Think of Edison, Einstein, Abraham, Jacob, Paul, and Punchinella. I encourage you to leave behind some dots today. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.